Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV, on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benator Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is called Toddler Tech, so we can continue our technology discussion as it fits the lives, habits, and routines of toddlers and families with little ones. It's a very interesting square table group tonight with moms who've been thinking quite a bit about the toddler swipe, screen time, and social media. I'm here with Stephanie Bregman, Jamie Riley, and Tyler Podolnik. I'll let them introduce themselves and their families and give you a few of their toddler tech questions and interests. So I'm putting Tyla on the spot first because she was the first one that requested um, bringing down the technology discussion to the toddler age. So Tyla, take it away. Introduce yourselves. All right. My name is Tyla and my daughter, she's Mila and she's 16 months. Um, So I guess one area that I want to cover tonight is just TV time while Mila like eats breakfast, lunch, or dinner, Mm -hmm. Um, or all three, (laughs) Um, and also social media. I'm very shy about posting pictures, or very, just, I like to keep things personal and not put myself out there too much, Um, so why people put pictures on of their kids online, like, is that a good thing? How does it affect the child Absolutely. in their future? Um, so, I think that's going to be a big topic, maybe that we'll do in the second half of the um, the podcast, because I think you, you've raised with me personally some really interesting insights into how social media affects those of us that are posting and how we get caught on that hamster wheel. Of, um, of social media crazy. So, um, and then of course, um, how it affects the child. And, and um, Tyler did give me a New York Times article about how do your children feel 10 years from now when they look back and find out there's a digital history of um, everything they did as a toddler or a preschooler. <laughs> so lots of really great questions. And we'll come back to the TV one because um, I think we can, that's a good one. Um, and it gets to, yeah, we'll come back to it. Okay, Jamie. Uh, my name's Jamie. I have a son, Andrew. He's 16 months. And also, from when he was very young, I've always had the question um, about screen time. And I read lots of articles and spoke to the doctor about when to start and what's too much time. And then I also teach kindergarten. So I see how um, I notice like some kids are really drawn to all the things that are technology and they don't really appreciate any of the other things that you have to offer, like basic toys. So um, I was just interested about talking about that also to see when's a good time to start introducing some of the technology and then how should you limit it? Perfect. Perfect examples. And in terms of what you've looked at for your own personal choices for Andrew, 
where are you in the how much when and um we just we've always had the tv on just like as background and so that he can hear he loves music he doesn't really watch any tv although it's on like i try to put on um like mickey mouse clubhouse Mm -hmm. and he'll watch the beginning song and the end song and that's pretty much about it he's much more interested in his other toys that we have out um but I do have it on. Okay. And that's really the only technology we use now. He's not swiping on a phone or he a screen. Will Take my husband and my phone. He doesn't really know how to use it. Like, he'll touch it because he knows you're supposed to. We'll put on, um, like I said, he loves music. So we have dance parties all the time, and he wants to hold the phone. And I try, you know, when he was younger, I would try not to have it out when we're playing. And then I find I always want to take pictures of him. So I think just in general, like, I always have it near me, not so much that I'm using it, but just to have the camera. And I try to be in the moment sometimes but you know you don't get these moments back either so he definitely is drawn to the phone because he sees that we always have it and we we will try to touch on that whole parent role modeling and and how you're using your devices because how you're using your devices will absolutely affect um, how important this is in their lives Okay, so um, but, so he's not watching videos or um, YouTube yet. No, okay, and he doesn't. You know, <laughs> I, I have can't a wait friend. Stephanie, I have a friend whose son, by the time he was two, knew how to work the iPad. And oh, stuff. I promise you, there were children. So, fifteen, like I said, months. Andrew knows that it what to do, but he hasn't figured out how to use it, okay. and we really just let him have it when music is on. So I'm. It's really hard to you know because of just this day and age to even put it down and walk away, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they always want it. <laughs> it's the new remote. I mean, there are two things that are that important, and it's your it's the remote. Well, three car keys, remote, and and your phone. Yes, and he yeah. loves all three. Of course. But you know, we try also like when we're out. It's such a pet peeve of mine, like at restaurants. When you look around and you see everyone, like a family of five, every single person's on the phone. Mm-hmm. And even with, you know, kids walking in and as soon as, you know, they're all set up to eat, having a movie on right away. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that I can, you know, control that because I don't want that to happen. As much as anything can be in your control this will be in your control. I mean, none of us have absolute control, but yeah, I mean, and that's really the big deal is how you decide how your routines and habits will work, you know, but you will have to put your phone down during those table times. Right. But if you're willing to do that, um, if you're willing to do that for some mornings, like a Saturday morning, if you're willing to do that on Shabbat, if you're willing to unplug sometimes, then your children will have the beauty of the of knowing boredom and knowing how to play with real toys knowing how to engage with you knowing how to have conversations and even those of you who listen to the travel podcast that we did a few weeks ago i mean it's real simple save those ipads for when you really need them i mean yeah, i haven't bought one yet but i we're taking our first flight in june and i do plan on getting an ipad before then it's you know what we use them i mean even when i'm traveling like i i will take that opportunity to maybe do some writing, to do some book reading, or to do um, to listen to music, and really, or, or something really that I don't have time in my regular schedule. But then, when you get bored, and especially if if it's a long flight, watch a movie. You know, and you have all the games that you all don't have games. from your playroom, like right there with you. You know, and the matching and a friend of mine and the paint ones the are paint awesome. Paint, right. 
A friend of mine, we talked about this one time too, and so her rule in the car was they had to be going somewhere that was 40 miles or Perfect. above for her to watch a movie on it. If not, like there were other toys and stuff, like the keep busy stuff in the car. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. I mean, I don't have that yet. But I mean, that's a good rule of thumb. Like it's a great 40 rule. miles. I'm is- good with 45 minutes. I could. I would recommend stretching it to an hour. You know, I mean, I know kids that'll make the drive to Miami in traffic and they can have a fun car ride. If you had fun car rides with a kid, you know that car, being in a car with your mom or dad and being able to have a conversation with them or sing together or laugh together tells stories together it's kind of magical and I do think maybe the car is one of those places where you might be able to unplug and know that you have your child in a contained environment of being present but um, how long is your flight that's just coming up three hours three hours okay yeah it's and and I think and so much also depends on each child's temperament and personality because the first time the child's going to love watching you know the people coming on the plane and watching everything that's going on and (laughs) you know looking where the luggage is coming I mean the children who are studying this whole experience there's a lot there's a there's a ton not to be missed either so okay I can't wait for Stephanie Hi, my name is Stephanie, and I have a daughter, Samara, who just turned 17 months. <laughs> and she, um, well, one of the things I wanted to talk about, obviously, was the TV, because she does like TV a lot. Um, I try to limit it, obviously, to maybe one time a day for maybe an hour. She loves to swipe on my phone. She loves to swipe on iPads. And what does she swipe? Well, how, <laughs> what does swiping mean for her? What does she know? What does she know about the swipe? She knows that when she picks up my phone and she swipes her finger, she sees lots of things moving. So mm-hmm. for her, it's just about motion and seeing things and creating an action and seeing that there's a cause and effect yes, to what yes. she's doing. So. Um, it's like a busy box. Right. Yeah. And she also knows that the circle button on my iPhone, every time she presses that that button, Siri comes on and starts talking to her. And it, it becomes like, Mila knows that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a serious friend crazy. for kids. I love it. It is. It drives me crazy, though, because I'll put something on, like, music for her to listen to while we're playing, and, and she'll push the button. I'm like, please stop doing that because, you know, it stops the song. I have to keep turning it on. So, I, luckily, I just recently found out there is a way to stop them from pushing that button so that it keeps the music on. Oh, tell everybody. Yes. So if you go to the settings in your iPhone, I don't know about Samsung, but there's actually a setting in there. Um, if you Google it, I'm going to say to Google it because I don't or know about Siri. Yeah, <laughs> Siri. But there actually is a lock. So I push my button. I think they push a little round button three times now, and it actually keeps it into a mode where if they push that button, it does not move anything on the screen. So it actually will protect them from doing okay. that to your And mom. does she swipe on tables and other things as well? No. Nope. Right okay. now she just swipes on the phone and the iPad. She likes to take my laptop and she likes to slam it down. Um, she does that all the time, which I know is her Close way. Close the, like she's in closing it? She closes it. She opens it. Oh, okay. And she also has a play laptop too. So I think she kind of relates one to the other. Um, but my entire occupation revolves around technology. So I literally am on the computer and phone a lot. So when I'm around her, I try really hard to limit the amount of times. But when I do get emails or text messages when I am with her in the afternoon, um, it is challenging. But I try really hard for her not to see it and to limit the TV because she will sit there and watch an entire hour of Sesame Street. And, and um, is she engaged as she's watching it? Extremely engaged. Now, does, I, I, and, and meaning, is she talking back to it? Is she mm-hmm. moving with it? She's not just staring at it. Yeah, she'll hear certain songs during the program, and she'll start dancing, and she'll okay. get excited. She'll, okay. she'll say the names of the characters in the show. So she's really engaged in it, and um, when it turns off and I'll say, done, she goes, Elmo. 
And I, I tell her, no, Elmo's sleeping. <laughs> and then right, we move right, on right. to another activity. But she does. She really likes it. And I like her watching a show like that just because there is a lot of good things that she learns from right. it. Letters and numbers and it's educational. So, like, that I don't mind it as much. So Okay, I'm grinning from ear to yeah. ear at that it's educational. Yes. Um, and so here's what I'll put out there. And, and it is, I am very, very, very comfortable with children having an hour of television time or more. I mean, I, I'm not going to even quantify it for you. Um, but... Um, and if she's engaged, the way I think of it as educational, it's social currency. It's, oh, these are familiar characters yeah. that I see in a lot of different places. These are, this is, it's, it's sort of a social kind of knowledge, which is, which is valuable in great ways. And, but a lot of it in terms of the letters and the numbers is sort of a parroting. It's sort of, a, it's mimicry, it's imitation. Um, is it's not a bad kind of superficial learning, right. but you can't, going back to Jamie's original question of how do we connect the dots from the technology use to kindergarten, and then, of course, Tyla's a teacher as well, so she did early elementary. It's We all believe if we're early childhood and we're developmental learners that you really learn numbers, numeracy, problem solving and science, um, and literacy skills through active engagement with a million other right. kinds of things. And you guys have all heard me a million times. My fill and spill, my reversibility, the, you know, the abstract properties of, um, you know, of, of doing, you know, Humpty Dumpty that goes, that falls apart and gets put together, that that's a reversibility that's going to help with those neural pathways for math down the road. If you want to do whole part relationships for reading, you have to play with blocks and look at three blocks being put together and taken apart and that will build the same whole part understanding as seeing cat, C-A-T, letters make words, make sentences, make meaning. So all of that is way too complicated and deep. And if we believe that kids learn through interactive play and problem solving, then they have to do a lot of those old traditional hands-on engagement kinds of things. You know, you can, you can see letters a million ways, but that's not going to help you write it for yourself, because going through that process of knowing what it's supposed to look like um, and, and getting your hand and brain to connect, to make a B go this way and a D go this way, that's way more, you've got to live it and interact with it thousands and thousands of times. So is it educational? Hmm. Um, Can we say that it just adds to all that? Though? It adds to it. I have, it's, it doesn't take away from it, and it, it gives a shorthand, and it gives a sense of pride. And there's that, the idea is like, you know, it's like when you're at a party and you have, you're part of a conversation, like, oh, I just read this in the paper. You know, like, yeah. so to hear these kids like, oh, I know what's going on. Here's where it's at. Here's where it builds confidence and self-esteem. When they're watching those shows and they're like, Elmo and the count's going to do this yeah, and, yeah. and I'm going to count the way the count counts not the way my mommy was counting um, yeah. I mentioned actually to you I think it was the last class that I used to say to Samara one two and she would say three and then all of a sudden I said one two and she goes ah 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 and I started laughing and said that's that's not the way but yes that's perfect that's, it's go. perfect so yeah. what's happening with that is I know that counting happens in two different ways but now I'm going to bring it full circle and here's and so yes it is complimentary. Yes, it, it, it all fits together. But the ultimate is that 
that you know what she's doing while she's watching. And so when she does one, two, ah, 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 you're like, the count counts like that. And you're making that bridge and that association in all of her kinds of learning. So what the best research says is if you're doing tech, if they're doing technology, do it with them or at least be close enough to be able to understand and observe your children. And you don't have to be hands-on, entertaining, song and dance mom. I, I, you know, your generation is more stressed about that than any. And so I don't need you to be all in all the time. But just be aware of how she's interacting in the, with the TV, how she's interacting with the music. And that's the power of real learning. And I feel like I'm like that song and dance mom for most of the day, being a stay-at-home mom. And so putting on that TV while she eats, it just takes it off of me. Okay. And I could Good. engage with her about the TV while we're watching. And it's usually Sesame Street or right. Rough Rough, rough Food and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so full circle. And that is... I give you absolute license and freedom to use television or screens so that you can buy yourself a break. My goodness, you should have that. I mean, nobody can parent 24-7, 365. And you're doing a disservice to your child to be that engaged in their process of learning so that they're not bored or having to problem solve or, or deal with Elmo not being there. So it's all a balance. But now let's go back to TV for meal times, And that is, so it's, again, I, you know me, I'm not a black and white answer person. <sighs> Do I love mealtimes with television? I don't. I know, and I keep on saying, oh, in 18 months I'm going to stop. Okay, you know? <laughs> and, that's, and that's really what's going to be my recommendation is don't change, and parenting advice of all time, never change anything that's working for now. But if you've taken a shortcut for now that said, you know what, we have new toddlers. It's hard to keep them sitting still. It's hard to keep them um, interested in food when there's a million other things they're eager to go and do. Use that now. But no, just as you had to learn with sleep and with any other time you took a shortcut, it's that, uh-oh, they could use this to escalate back on me. So it's not like, it's not easy to turn off Elmo. Because then you have the iPad at the restaurant which we showing don't. a movie. We don't have the phone or the iPad at the so restaurant. So you have we to know We actually went to lunch boundaries. today with my husband. We met him and um, I didn't take out the phone once. <laughs> and okay. I have in the past. Sure. And no guilt. No guilt out there, moms. No Or dads. No guilt for, for when you need a shortcut. Or and, and I want you to say, Stephanie, I want you to say, instead of like, I'm not, I don't want you to be thinking I'm a bad role model because I have technology in my job. I want you to be able to look at Samara and say, that's right, you're working like mommy's working. That's right. Let her know the meaning and import of what all that is. In the same way, I don't want anybody, to, I mean, even with a stay-at-home mom, I don't want you to be like, oh, I'm cooking. You know, it's like, no, I'm cooking us a healthy meal. And how lucky, I mean, I want us to take responsibility and own that what we, how we spend our time as grown-ups is giving them insight into really good stuff in the world so and even if it's cleaning toilets it's like that's right we have to make our house clean you know I don't want it I don't want any of it to feel like drudgery or or that or guilt because then guilt puts a twinge of something on it but now back to the the um 
if you use television for mealtimes at home and then you say, oh, but let's go out to dinner and we're going to have and we're just going to talk and we're going then then I think that's a great transition. And knowing and 18 months doesn't have to be the black and white time. I mean, I'll even give you till three. The longer, though, that you take, the more entrenched it's going to be. Right. So it's how do you, whenever you introduce the shortcut, how do you introduce that shortcut that says, this works for me, I deserve the break, I need the break, it's working for all of us, and and I'm going to gradually build in some resilience and flexibility while we do it. Um, but here, But let's go back another question, and that is, when she's watching the television, because I think this is really the real importance of why, I mean, yeah. is she mindful about her eating? I mean, she is able to stare at the screen and, like, pick up peas without even looking at them yeah. and put them in her mouth. Yeah. So can we say she has good hand-eye coordination? Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It's, I, it's that idea of... Yeah, I and, and I will tell you, it's, and, and we all make adjustments. I mean, I, you can know that I read stories at snack time at school, um, Another program did that 10 years before I was ready to do it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. It's like they don't need to be entertained to have snack at the table. I just want to sit and have snack and talk with them. Yeah. So, And then I realized, Karen, don't be an idiot. I mean, it works. It's fun. It's engaging. They're hearing my story and they're eating. And if they don't eat, then this isn't about the eating. It's about the story, but the food helps them to sit. So I agree. Like, I feel like, especially, like, you're at, at school, let's say, and you're reading a story, you're just trying to use all the time that you have to engage them and make everything a teachable moment. Right, right. Whether, you know, like, yes, they do need some time to talk, but for some people, they get, some kids can't sit and just eat and talk because they just get carried away. Right. So it's just some offering something else. For them to do, and when you come to transition, we will have we will have engaging conversations before I get to the story, where I will ask them questions about their day and all kinds of things, and and it really is a lovely interactive. So I think that's the question: is how interactive? Oh well, we're always talking about what's on the TV. Okay. Like it gives me something to talk about because I'm talking okay. to her all day. Perfect. It's kind of just a nice. And here's the other deal: it's a break, but it's not really. And I'm a break. thinking, like, right, you're with. You're with her all day, so even if you weren't having a conversation during the meal, you need a break. Whereas, like, like I don't have Andrew watching TV because I hadn't been with him all day. So then I need that time because you've already had it. So right, right. You know, and I guess I could take that break when we're, she's not eating. I could we could have TV time. You know. And here's the other point, but, though. It's like we get absurd with a, what how it ought to be for kids. If you are a one of those television watching grownups. You know, and that's your family routine. Yeah. If Then you just choose what works for you. Question. So going back to the whole mindful eating, maybe someone here knows the answer. At what point does a child just eat not because they're hungry? You know, like when I, I've always heard that babies don't eat if they're not hungry. Right. So when does that change? And Does that make sense? Keep honoring her body. Keep honoring what she tells you. And I think now is the perfect time because the research that came out of Florida State um, said that a lot of food issues we're introducing to girls at 18 months. And their study was specifically on 18 months. And it was where we started over managing their relationship to food. 
And what it said, though, is, you know what, All, instead of saying eat more or don't eat more, when you say, when, when you when she looks like she's finished with something, you say, oh, you, you don't like that or you're all done with that. Did you have enough? When, if you notice it's snack time in school, I, say, I often say, come to the table, is your tummy ready for snack? You know, are you hungry? Would you? And then when they when they're in the next class and they're older, I'm going to say to them, um, and they they push a snack back. I'll say, oh, you don't want that? Don't eat anything you don't want to eat. You know, and I, so I'm going to give them power and choice over their bodies and their, and what they put in their bodies and their food. So, and there's other. That's a whole other discussion, which we'll come back to, which is give them variety, sit with them, be a good food food example, um, eat the rainbow, eat many many colors of things. But um, no, I think if you if you that's aren't just shoveling, if you aren't especially shoveling food into them and using television as the distraction, so that they don't understand. So that you're doing it because they're poor eaters and you need them distracted in order to get food in, then I feel like, hmm, maybe slowly start to to change that dynamic so that you're sitting and talking about um, anything with them or even um, telling them a story rather than having a distraction while they're trying to be paying attention to what they're what, what they what they feel like eating and talk about the textures, talk about the the dipping, talk about the fork, talk about the chopsticks. Yeah. You know, there's so much to talk mm-hmm. about at food times. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we we um, sit around the table every single night. We don't watch TV. My husband, I, I give him a lot of credit because I think he's the one who really pushed it. Um, there's a lot of moments where I just said, "What the TV on? We can eat." He said, "No, we're going to sit down at the table." And it was it was him that really motivated me to do it. And should we turn her chair around? She faces the table with all of us. And what I found with her was that she really enjoyed watching us and how we ate. And so she's always been a pretty good eater. She eats, you know, her broccoli and her carrots and her turkey. She she eats it. And she recently, I think about three weeks ago, I you know I said, "Let's give her a fork and see." Uh, because she kept wanting to reach for ours. And so now she picks up everything with her fork, and she loves the fork, and she sees us using it, and she wants to use it. So, yeah, so it makes, like, a lot of good conversation, and we talk to her, and sometimes we'll sing songs when we're at the table. We just kind of try to interact when we're eating. So the TV has always been off, but that was always, that was I think it was more hard for me than it was. My husband really pushed uh, pushed to do that, and I thank him for that because she really is, she was, I didn't think she would be engaged with the eating while she wasn't watching TV, but she was. And so it made me happy that we can all sit as a family. And then it also, for me, made it easier when we went out for dinner because she's used to the routine of when she sits down in her booster seat, she knows that she's going to get her food. Um, she knows that, you know, it became like a routine for her. So for us, that's kind of how, how it worked in our house. And so how to avoid those iPads and iPhones yeah. at tables and restaurants, especially because we look around. It's true. I mean, the grown-ups are doing it. The families are doing Everyone. it. Everyone's doing yeah. it. So. Andrew likes to eat so much that he is so distracted by food that he doesn't even look <laughs> for any food. kind of entertainment right, during right, right. mealtime, even okay. at a restaurant. He's pretty engaged with I mean, you he's guys, happy with food. Yeah. Your children are young enough that yeah. you can at least set some goals for yourself. And I can check back with you a year from now and say, you know, can you make it through, you know, certain kinds of experiences unplugged? And, um, and certainly eating out is a wonderful way to do it. And certainly riding in a car for a half an hour is a wonderful way to do it without a video screen. And again, back to Jamie's idea of a question about kindergarten kids is that we live in such a hugely visual yeah. culture. 
everything is screened, everything is bombarded. And we're seeing all kinds of research on, you know, stress on eyes and vision and so many things. Um, more kids are wearing glasses now than ever before because of early screen time. So the idea of how can we balance that out so that like if you're in the car, like what's is isn't isn't the radio technology in some way or you know when you're especially when you're using your USB port to plug in your playlist on Pandora, yeah. you know, but the idea is that at least it's a different kind of um, sensory experience right with the technology as like with the iPad they make the app so easy that you can almost find an app for anything like even I can find an app for handwriting and they can you know but yeah. it's not the same as practicing it with the pencil and paper or the drawing I could draw on the iPad in the do doodle app but mm -hmm. that's not illustrating and coloring and even reading, and even as adults, where so many people are using the Kindle and stuff, that's not the hardcover book. And I see, as a teacher in kindergarten, it's all about building the stamina. And you're expecting me to have, you know, a five-year-old kindergarten kindergartner sit with a book for a 30-minute period of time, let's say. But, you know, they're so used to being so interactive with everything else that for some, not all, it's almost impossible to ask them to sit for that long. Absolutely. And even in the older grades when they were testing, it's even moved from a paper and pencil test to doing it all on the computer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where it's like, it's hard to even balance and it becomes a problem when they get older, when they're so used to doing everything. Even I could open up my app, iPad and go to a Scholastic website and I can get the same book that I have in a hardcover right, right on the iPad, right. but it's still different. And the it's sense, nice. The neural pathways to the brain are different, especially with something like handwriting with pen and paper versus doing something on a screen. But here's, right. here's my biggest, biggest, biggest point, and it comes back to more Elmo I, yeah. <laughs> in one way or another, and that is what we know in early childhood that is the most important thing they need is executive function self-management. Now, you know from the entitlement-free child that all of your toddlers and every two-year-old is me, mine now. Developmentally, that's who they are. They see Elmo, they're engaged in, in, in a screen situation, and they're like, more, 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 don't turn it off. And, and But the problem with technology is that there's something inherent in the technology that is feeding those addictive centers of the brain that says more, more, more. And the, and the pings on the phone and everything and, and all of that is saying, don't turn it off. I've got it. I, I'm addicted to this, which is why it'll get you on a four hour plane ride. And that's great. Yeah. But so what happens is they will not learn patience. They will not learn to manage frustration. They will not learn executive function or self-management. By, by interacting on a device. They need the messiness. This is why I love the see me, hear me, love me name. They need the messiness of life. What all, and, and this is on the other technology podcast, and that is the, the most dangerous research um, that's coming out of MIT is that the reason kids are drawn to technology and, and even social media relationships is because there's no mess to it. You know what? I can disengage when I want. I have absolute control, and the predictability of interacting with a device is very different than when that toddler kid pushes me on the slide or crowds me in my space or interrupts or, you know, even if there's somebody in your classroom, you know, it's just all of that real life stuff 
is can't be managed with technology. It has to be, happen in the real world. And so for that reason, you, you, you as the parents, and it's, and it's not a fun place to be, but you become the gatekeepers of the technology. Now, should you be the bad guys in the world? I don't think so. But I think it comes down to routines and, and predictability, which is, you know, when the buzzer comes off or when the show is over, you know, we have to turn it off. And, and again, if you can sell Elmo went to sleep, Great, but then she's going to have her, her tantrum. She's going to have a meltdown. She's going to have her frustration. And here's the reality. They must have that emotional mess in order to become the people they're going to become. So um, the convenience of technology that says, oh, I can keep them quiet, appeased, and, and placated is the real danger to me, which is I can make it look like I've got my child under control and managed all the time, and it's you using a device to manage them rather than them coming to kindergarten saying, I know how to sit still, I know how to, think of the marshmallow test, I know how to fidget dance, distract myself for 20 minutes so that I can accomplish another goal that either somebody, that somebody's asking me to do, wait in a doctor's office, wait in an airport, um, even at, at their little, little age, we can make these age-appropriate expectations. And those are things that we don't even do now. We struggle. We you struggle. Know, like if you're at the doctor and you're by yourself, you take out your phone. That's right. Even we in the movie theater, waiting for the movie to start, people have their phones out. Everyone. We struggle. <laughs> we struggle. I mean, in services. If I'm watching. Struggle. <laughs> you know, it's hard to say, what are you doing with your phone? You know, it's hard. Right, because you just want to, you know, it's like you feel so connected. We Even watching TV. Instant gratification. You know, if you're world. watching TV and you didn't DVR it and you get stuck on a commercial, you know. Oh, let me check my email. Let me go on Facebook. What is so-and-so doing the, down the street? Or, you know, you know and everyone's always multitasking. And I do it. Like, even when I bring work home, I have the TV on. I'm doing work. I'm checking the phone. And so it's, like, really hard even as adults now just because the world we live in to do just one thing. And unless the research you're out. is very, very clear that multitasking isn't more efficient. That and and there's there's and it and there's it's not more it is not, um, and I'll, I'll send it to you. I have an article on are you a distracted parent doing too much, um, and it's this idea of how multitasking. I mean, of course, who's the best multitaskers in the world are mothers, but um, <laughs> no, <laughs> working mothers, you know, no, but all, all mothers. All. Um, so, um, but it's not more efficient, and so because what happens is you you it, it comes yeah. you're only dealing with things at a more superficial level. I mean that idea yeah. of and again it comes back to the learning question of you know where do you go to your deepest curiosity? Where do you go to your deepest questions? Where do you go to your deepest problem solving? And it's like it can't be it doesn't fit in a technology formula. It means you know somebody says how do you, what happens when you're bored in a conversation? The idea of not being able to to say, okay, like I'm gonna just check my text while you finish your thought yeah. because you're boring me. <laughs> you know, I mean, we used to allow for boring conversations even amongst ourselves. I don't think even just as adults that people are bored like when they do it. Because I've noticed like when I'm, you know, even out with a friend. You know, if you're walking in the mall, you're having a conversation, and then you look over and your friend's, you know, on Facebook. You're at the mall, though. So it's like we're having a conversation, we're shopping at the mall, but it's just because it's there. It's right at your fingertips. That's right. And then, and that's so, the example that, you yeah. know, we end up setting. I think that's even really interesting is that 
all three of us, we grew up in a generation. We're in the middle. We've seen both sides. We grew up in a generation where we grew up without technology, right? Before AOL, I guess, just started coming out with Instant Messenger. But we actually went to school without Facebook. But we ended school where Facebook was just starting. So, like, the technology and the changes. Yeah, we, you know, we grew up with TV with maybe, like, 10 stations, you know, like, but we had TV growing up. So, like, I feel like it's getting harder and harder. And I, I think my worry is as she gets older, I'm not going to have that same reality that she's going to have when she goes to school. She's surrounded by it. When I used to leave high school, I came home and I was out of the drama. I could, like, sleep and not have to worry about it other than my glowing 80s phone ringing, like, in my room. <laughs> like, I didn't really have to worry about, like, oh, so-and-so just sent this picture. And, you know, you don't have to think about that kind of stuff. And so that's what scares me. I think. I even think about, okay, I didn't have my first cell phone, which was obviously a big cell phone, until I started driving. And it had... <laughs> like a hundred minutes on it. It was like for emergencies only. I know first and second graders with iPhones. Oh, I had a beeper. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. we know people who want to send kids to school with, with phones. Yeah. Right. So I mean, yeah. like, just in, at, case. just in case. Right. So at six years old or six years old, they have, you know, this at their fingertips also every second of the day. So there's no way we're going to know their world. I mean, when I do workshops on raising kids for their future and and how we want to teach them, I mean, we're raising kids for 2040. There's no way we know what their world's going to look like. But what I can believe is that at least in early childhood, where we're we're creating lifelong learning habits and relationships and a sense of themselves, and when we know that that marshmallow test is so essential... I can still feel comfortable. Technology is not a bad thing. You know, it comes down to a, a healthy technology diet of quality, good good content at the right times, choosing the times. And it doesn't even, ha- it, and you can even choose it during meal times. Here's a little summary, at least from my perspective. As long as it's a deliberate choice, if it's a choice you're making and saying, you know what, this is a balance that works in our family. We don't use it at bedtime. We don't have screens in the room. We don't, you know, there's, there's so many factors to all of this we haven't even gotten to. But you, as long as you are intentional and deliberate and making the exp- giving your children the experiences that you feel comfortable giving them, finding that balance, I think that will be okay. Uh, but now I still want to ask that one last question before the wrap-up question, and that is about social media, not just about your, t- your children, but about yourselves. Because um, can I use the word, Tyler, that you used? When what did you... I say? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm going I'm to put it on the board. Um, and and, and um, what Tyler had oh. said to me... Yeah, sure. Um, without being judgmental of anyone. Um, but, it, but that idea of how being in social media puts an extra maybe burden, pressure, or some, brings out something in us that isn't exactly who we want to be. And she was like, well, what if, are we just posting for our egos? You know, are we posting because we need that validation? And I'm, and I'm probably stretching this. But, but I, my, my last question for you is just, how is social media for you shaping who you are as moms and shaping you are, uh, who you are as a family? Tyla. <laughs> um, I mean, I rarely post pictures of Mila, like once in a blue moon. And I guess I, I do it because I know there are people out there like old co-workers or just old friends that I haven't seen in so long that I'm sure would get yeah. joy out of seeing yeah. Mila. Like, hopefully, it, when I do post we that do. picture, we do. it brings a smile to that person's face, you know? Um, I definitely don't do it to get likes. Um, I definitely 
don't want to get to a point when Mila's older where she's checking how many likes did my picture get, mommy? You know, yeah. like that scares me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons why I also try to avoid posting so many pictures of her. Okay. Um, and I just think, I just, I love that question because I think it just brings real sensitivity and conscientiousness to the experience. Um, and we haven't even addressed the, the fakeness, you know, what do they call it, fake book? Um, but mm-hmm. Jamie, any opinions about social media? Um, I post pictures of my family and Andrew, but mostly because, like you said, bringing joy to people. Like, I feel like, I mean, I love to see pictures of my friends and their families and what they're doing. And in the moment, we're having such a good time. I just feel like it makes me so happy I want to share it. Um, And just keeping in contact with people that aren't close, that don't get to see us. And... um, like get to see Andrew growing up or even my brother. He's only seen, he's met Andrew once. Right. So it just like, I love to share, you know, and sometimes I just text a picture, but you know, you kind of hit everybody with one little, you know, click of a button. I mean, there it is, I mean, it is social sharing in a beautiful, I mean, I know I really appreciate what I get to experience. Um, but the other two aspects that are, challenging is I my favorite post um, somebody here just posted yesterday of their daughter's meltdown and it was like <laughs> stages of Stage the meltdown. meltdown and it was like it was glorious and there's nothing I love more than the Disney picture of the child who's losing it in the hotel lobby because I don't want to only see those happy pictures um, and then the other thing you had said earlier, Jamie, is that idea of like, well, I have to have my phone because I have to because I don't want to miss the moment. And so how much are we looking at our children's lives and our lives through our own record of it? And that idea of, you know, we laugh sometimes at babies on the beam. Like if we don't have a picture of it, it didn't really happen, yeah, you know. And so there's that other thing about mindfulness and being present is you know, how do we guard the silence and just being present? And sometimes, like, I'll look at a child and I'll just make, like, a, you know, do, like, I'm going to just take a mental picture because I want to remember this moment with you because I love you. And and so sometimes it's important to not, to remember that there's a lot of life that doesn't have to be caught on film. Because by the time you have your third child, you're not going to have the pictures anyway. So Right. I agree. <laughs> but then it's like when it's your first, it's like <laughs> yeah. you just want to remember everything. Yeah. And and even like, I mean, I haven't, before I had Andrew, I hadn't got photos developed in forever because everything's just on your computer. But I downloaded an app, you know, because there's an app for everything. So for $2.99 a month, I can upload 100 pictures and it's delivered to me every month in a book. So I have like a box of, cool. you know, at least his first year that I know like I will go back and look at. And then at least like, I'll hand it to him when he gets older because I think, like you said, like, what's the point? You're clicking, clicking, clicking. You know, I want to be able to go back and enjoy. Okay, so Jamie comes back when we do the the, the technology tips on how do you stay organized and how do you use (laughs) What are all the apps that that are essential? And it's so funny because you hear about them even after the fact. You know, somebody told me about one that you can take a picture every day for the first year of your child's life, and it comes in, like, a hardcover book. I'm like... I didn't know about it until Andrew was three months old. So I'm like, I can't do it this time. But then, I mean, the one second that you're clicking, then you have this memory that you're going to have forever. And then you'll pass it along to them. And okay. 
Love so. it. And again, it's a whole new world. There's a record of their childhoods that other family, other children in past generations didn't have. Yes. To, to speak on what Jamie was Stitching. talking about, I actually, I use Amazon Prime a lot. There, Amazon Prime has like a photo thing where you can store your photos online. They put it in chronological order. So for me, that's been what, what I've used since she was born, knowing that she can go back and see almost every day oh. of her life in videos. Oh. So, um, and every mother I talked to said, take as many videos as you can, because that's what they want to see. They want to see what they were like. And um, um, from the social media side, I'm kind of in the middle of, of, of the whole thing, because when Samara was born, I took a lot of pictures um, with posting pictures. I think I posted pictures of Samara maybe like once a month. I did like a picture of her up until she was a year old, uh, and I would po- and I would post those. I haven't sent, posted a lot of pictures as much uh, lately. Um, and I don't think I'm really I don't, I don't I don't really swing either way. If you want if they want to post them, they can. I take joy out of seeing other people's pictures. Um, and I used to laugh because people would come up to me and they would say, you know, I see so and so. They post pictures every single day of their kid. No one sees it. And I used to, I the one thing I used to say to, say to people is this: if a mother loves her child that much, they want to share their child with the world. To me, I said that's a beautiful thing because there's there's enough moms out there that that don't. And so to me, I just no matter how a mom wants to share their child, I think it's. A beautiful thing. I don't, no yeah. judgment. Right? No judgment, yeah. So, I'll, I mean, I'll post pictures of Samara or somebody else will. I try to make it a point, like myself, to ask the moms before I post, do you mind if I post? Because I know that... That, I think, is an important courtesy. Yeah, yeah, as a courtesy, but for the most part, I have no problem with that as long as, you know, I just try to be thoughtful when I post a picture to make sure that if Samara saw this when she was, you know, 18, is she going <laughs> to kill me? Um, you know, I just say, well, like, what pictures would be okay at her bat mitzvah? You right, know, so right, if right. it's okay for that, I think we'll be okay posting it. So. Okay. So much to talk about. We thought we weren't going to have enough conversation. But so here's your wrap-up question. It's the same every episode, and that is, how have you got this? Um, when you think about your lives now and going forward for the next six months, you know, what's your relationship to technology? that says, um, you know, I've got this. Oh, hey, great. Stephanie's going. <laughs> Stephanie was finding its pilots. First of all, right to left. Um, <laughs> um, my relationship with technology moving for forward Samara. for Samara, I think would probably, I think I'm going to keep on the same path that we're going on where we just, you know, limit the time that we offer her the technology. But teacher, it's not a bad thing. Um, I just don't want it to be a negative connotation. Again, technology is important in my life. Um, look, I, I met my husband on J-Date. If I hated technology, right, right. she wouldn't be here. So, <laughs> like, for, for me, I just think that it's important for her to understand there's good and bad with everything and within moderation. So, Perfect. I think for us, I'm just, I've just been going with the flow. Whatever works, you know, whatever toy he wants, you know, I just make sure, like, I offer a lot of variety, and I'm just going to continue to do that. And because I also, my time with him, you know, is limited to a few hours in the afternoon, um, I just try to enjoy, make the most of it and enjoy, enjoy our time. So just go with the flow. I love it. I'm with you on that, going with the flow. Um, continue to, you know, engage Mila when I do have the TV on. Keep it out of the playroom. Um, That's a great idea. idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. And, yeah. I love it. Well, I promise you, these are some deep-thinking, <laughs> big, curious moms who really had me thinking about a lot of different issues for the last few weeks. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank you. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know 
You got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.